continuing on, this is our Bible Institute. Uh, we have a Bible Institute with 918 students in it from all around the world. That grows every week. Kind of fun. Watch them keep coming in. And uh, you can be a part of the Bible Institute. You can earn uh, a degree if you'd like, a, an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in ministry. Uh, it's all free. And you just do it by taking courses. Wednesday nights count if you're coming on Wednesday nights. If you want to take it for credit, you've got to write a little paper at the end. And you've got to answer a couple of questions along the way. But not the hardest way to do that. And there's 117 courses on there that you can take online. And you can take the ones you like. Finish 20, you get an associate's degree. Finish 40, you can get a bachelor's degree. So that's what's going on with that. And we are working right now through the Old Testament. We're doing an Old Testament survey. This uh, will break the Old Testament into three courses. And this is course number two of our Old Testament survey. And we're working from 2 Samuel to 2 Kings. Uh, in this chunk of uh, our study. And so, and then we did a little, we did a couple of weeks on some of the um, wisdom books and the poetry books. We looked at Psalms and Proverbs and uh, Job and uh, Lamentations and Song of Solomon. So we did a little detour because they were written in the time period when we were looking at Solomon and David. Well, now we've uh, moved into the, the kingdoms uh, of Israel being split, divided kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Um, that's going to be happening now, and we're, we're running through that together. There's 19 kings in... Uh, one of them has 20, and one of them has 19 uh, kings in, in their history, and so they're listed there for you. Judah has 20 kings, and Israel has 19 kings. All of the kings in um, Israel, every single one of them is evil. Judah has some good kings intermixed with some evil kings on the journey. And really the trick is when you're reading... Uh, the kings. I put the chart back in your notes again. That's the second week. I won't do it next week. Um, keep it. Keep this one and stick it in your Bible. When you're reading kings, the chart helps because it pops back and forth between the two kingdoms. And if you're not paying attention, you, you, you can easily get lost in what's going on. So if you can kind of see where it's happening and the flow of the kings, I find it very helpful in the study of what's taking place. What I want to talk about today is we're going to spend a little time jumping now down to Ahab, um, who's a king of Israel. I think he's the, uh, he's the seventh king uh, of Israel on your list. And um, he's a very evil king. Of course, you know, it's all degrees of evil. They were all evil. Ahab stands out among evil. And um, his partner in crime, Jezebel, she's as bad, if not worse, than Ahab. And so they're just a horrific uh, royal couple, if you would. And they do a lot of damage in the whole process. But along with them, um, there's the prophet Elijah, who you've probably heard of. And he's in that time period, Elijah. And Elijah is an amazing prophet of God. And he's doing amazing things. Um, and, you know, throughout this, the evil monarchies, the, there are still people that love God and are devoted to God and, and who God uses to um, um, do, you know, God things throughout the process. But it's a picture, really, of the battle between good and evil that exists and still exists uh, to this day. Um, you know, that's the, the ultimate thing that we're dealing with is, is uh, this clash of the kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the, the kingdom of darkness. And um, we're all involved in that battle. And then we're looking back and we're seeing it played out in, in uh, different ways than, than we might understand now. But we are involved just as much in this spiritual battle that's ongoing all around us. Um, but uh, I like these chapters. I like most of the scripture when I'm reading it. 
Um, but I do like the story of Elijah and what Elijah's up to and what's going on. So let me introduce you to Elijah here a little bit, and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So in uh, 1 Kings 17, now Elijah the Tishbite from uh, Tishb in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And uh, so Ahab's a, a follower of Baal, and he thinks that Baal determines when it rains, not God. So by this time in the kingdom of Israel, they've absolutely just no concept of worshiping the true God at all, and they're following after false gods. And so um, uh, Elijah is constantly demonstrating who God really is to Ahab, but Ahab is so evil that it just never really sinks in. Chapter, uh, verse 2 of 17, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan, stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the book, brook. So Elijah goes and hides because Ahab wants to kill him because obviously he doesn't like anything that Elijah has to say because it's all very much anti-Ahab. And uh, so he would kill him if he could find him and he's sending people all over the country to try and find him. They can't find him because God's got him c covered here at the brook. But over time the brook dries up because there's this drought going on. So um, God's going to tell Elijah, okay, now I've got somewhere else for you to go. And he's going to absolutely go, First Kings 17, 7. Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may, um, so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So um, God is the source of provision and um, he provides through this uh, time for not only for Elijah but for the widow and her son who have taken him in by never allowing the flour or the oil to be consumed. Um, it's just always there when they need it. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that's taking place. Do you, do you still, you know that God still does amazing things, right? Everybody here? Because we, we sometimes struggle with that. We look at that and go, well, that, how was that going on? But God is still at work and God still does amazing things just like this and, and uh, provides in ways um, and is more than able to do those things. And people go, you know, how is he doing that? Well, he's God and he can certainly make it so that the flower stretches forever and the oil stretches forever because he's God until he says it's not going to stretch any longer. And uh, he's, he's absolutely capable of doing those things. And so we need to be aware of that in the process. If you hang on with me one minute, I'm going to see if I can... Uh,
do something here. I think. Yeah, I should be able to do what I want to do. I need to make my um, my text bigger, but it's not letting me. So I'm having to wear my glasses. Stop it. And I'm not sure why it's doing that. All right, well, I'm not going to have everybody watching me online going, what's he doing? Stop it. So I'll have to revert to the glasses. So anyway, uh, just as uh, God had said to Elijah, and as Elijah spoke out, they never run out of flour, they never run out of oil, they have bread to eat, they're taken care of. Then, however, the widow's son dies. And the, the widow obviously is upset. First Kings 17, 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Pretty rough. Give me your son, Elijah replied, and he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, gave him to his mother, and said, Look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So um, you would think that she would have had a clue with the never-ending flour and oil. <laughs> but, but then, but, you know, I, we chuckle. I, I chuckle at those kind of things too. But at the same time, um, those things are good until the next bad thing happens, and then you, you start to question again. If, if God is really God. Um, and he always is. So um, the outcome here is that this boy is brought back to life and returned to his mother. And so that's a significant deal. So you're seeing Elijah is, is being used by God in lots of ways. And um, this all leads up to First Kings chapter 18. And this is a, this amazing sort of contest on Mount Carmel between Elijah, who's the prophet of God, and the false prophets of Baal. And um, the people that follow Baal believe that Mount Carmel is the place where Baal dwells. And so uh, the time comes and God tells Elijah that, you know, to get on the move and he's going to take a stand against these false prophets and he's going to demonstrate to everybody at that point in time who God really is. Uh, And so this is an amazing picture of this contest, of this conflict of good and evil. Uh, And so I want to take some time and read through it because you should hear it and... uh, Watch what happens. After a long time, verse 1, in the third year, so three years of famine, uh, of drought, pardon me, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I'll send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. And remember, Ahab just has been trying to kill him this whole time, but God sends him, so he goes. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. And while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifteen each, and he supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we won't have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in another. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. 
Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you're handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there's not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he'll kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifteen each, supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here, he'll kill me. Uh, Elijah said, As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? That's a famous greeting. And because and, Elijah wasn't a troubler of Israel at all. Ahab was. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But we know that's not true. There's a hundred hidden in the caves. But nonetheless, Elijah feels like he's on his own. Baal has 450 prophets. So that's going to be the battle. 450 false prophets against Elijah, one of the Lord's prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he's God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made, and at noon Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And they came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord which is in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water down, uh, ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they felt 
prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the, brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go and eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and he put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezebel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. All right, so uh, big, big confrontation. Um, God has been proven to be God. Uh, the, the false prophets of Baal have been slaughtered uh, there uh, in, in the valley. Um, it's a huge victory. For, the, for God and for Elijah in effect as well because he stood the test um, uh, he you know um, obviously God had told him to do that ahead of time he was a prophet this is what you need to do and so he trusted him to do that he didn't just come up with his own and hoping God was going to back him up uh, he, this was he was instructed to do what he did and he did it sure enough God shows up and for a moment the people of Israel are like God is God and uh, they're on his side and then Ahab is going to shoot out to go and tell Jezebel what happened because she's these were kind of like her prophets and uh, Elijah goes running down to see what happens but uh, once he gets there things start to fall apart a little bit for Elijah let's look uh, let's read on 1st Kings 19 and Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. So everything has changed here, right? He's got this huge victory and he's just, God has just proven himself to be God and yet Jezebel speaks and says, I'm going to have you killed by tomorrow and I think he's just overdone at this point. Just Elijah, it's just too many things and he takes off running. Verse 3, And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die, die, that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So he's obviously a little depressed at that point. What's going on? Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So, um, if you've been here for very long, you'll hear me every now and again say how sometimes all we really need is a snack and a nap and you just found the verses for it because that's what Elijah needed a snack and a nap so I always encourage people if you're feeling a little down start there pray and get you a snack and a nap and see if you don't feel better and a lot of times that'll do it I don't know it works for me all the time a snack and a nap was exactly what I needed uh, and, and uh, there's, your, there's your biblical standing for that okay 
So that's what happens with Elijah. He's just down. He's overdone. Big day, huge day. The threat comes at him. Gets a little depressed. Goes running. He's tired. I just want to be done with it and snacking a nap and he's going to be okay. And then he pops up and he goes to Mount Horeb. Remember, uh, Horeb is, the, is where the Lord gave the law to Moses. Um, verse 9. Again, this is one of my favorite passages. I actually, um, in my daily sort of prayer time, these verses are a part of it because I'm, I'm trying to always think about listening for the whisper of God. And so it, it, as part of my prayer time, I read some of these verses and then I listen for the whisper. Let me read them to you. Then he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So um, God says there's still 7,000. There's a remnant that have held true. And uh, praise God, there's always been a remnant that continues through, even in the darkest of times. And so... um, you just heard there about Elisha. Elisha is going to um, be the successor of Elijah uh, in in uh, in the in the book as we continue to read. And you'll so it's going to turn over here in a little bit. Uh, Elijah is going to get caught up in the whirlwind, um, and and he just goes from from this life to the next in a pretty significant way. But. Uh, let me read you just this last chunk out of First Kings 21. This is another incident involving Ahab, where he's just being evil, and he wants a vineyard that's belonging to an Israelite, and uh, he wouldn't sell the he wouldn't sell it. Uh, Naboth won't sell it to him, and so uh, Jezebel slanders him falsely with false witnesses, and uh, and so he ends up being killed. And they weren't supposed to the the land. Um, was, was supposed to stay in the tribe that it was given, not to go across in things. Uh, and so um, that was a pretty significant deal. So what happens is uh, Ahab wants this vineyard, and Naboth won't sell it to him, and he goes and tells Jezebel, and she says, don't worry, I'll fix it for you. And verse 8 of chapter 21, so she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters she wrote, proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite him, and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. 
So the elders and nobles, or nobles who lived in Naboth city did as Jezebel directed in the letters that she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth in the prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. And then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And so Ahab goes and takes his vineyard. Um, it's just a picture of how evil they are in the process, but they gather two false witnesses, which is enough, and Naboth is killed, and then Ahab gets what he wants. So um, Ahab finally dies in 853 B.C., which is, um, I'm sure, a relief. <laughs> Although the next king that comes up is, is, is just as bad. But, uh, but anyway, that gives you a little bit sort of the running of what's happening and uh, Elijah uh, was an amazing prophet and Elisha is as well and uh, we get to read about him next but that's certainly enough for one day uh, so there you go if you're watching on video thanks for watching and uh, check in when you can okay prayer requests if you have prayer requests you can pass them up thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.